This episode of the only podcast about movies was recorded a little bit ago, but we figured we'd hold it until now because, well, with Father's Day just behind us, it seemed very appropriate. Just wanted to let you know there might be some disparities in your timetable and yada, 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 yada. Anyway, enjoy the show. Internet, let me tell you about flannel. It gets me hot. My name is Matthew Kroll. And she's not just selling tuna, son. She's selling America. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this <laughs> is the only podcast about movies, specifically the 1983 classic comedy, <laughs> Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. I, did you pick it because 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 of who I am? I didn't. I, no, I should, you I son should, of a bitch. Yeah. I didn't pick this. Our illustrious guest picked this. I know. Shahir. We've got someone else in the room with us. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, uh, director of many a show you've seen on television, like Girl Code, some sketches on John Oliver, and episodes of Adam Ruins Everything, one of my favorite people I've ever met working in television and one hell of an escape the room partner Miss Laura Murphy. Hello, thank you for having me on. How are you? I'm pretty excited that Mr. Mom is finally getting the credit, <laughs> getting the love that <laughs> too. Yeah. yeah. Do you think just it's up hearing, for a remake? It's like remake material. No, it should stay <laughs> as is. Just hearing you guys yell the quotes got me excited. Got you pumped? <laughs> just it deserves this. So, Laura, you wanted. You wanted to. I, I, you're only in town for a little bit for some for some gigs from LA, uh, and you. I said I need to get you on this on this podcast. Uh, we've been trying for a little bit, and and I wanted to. So what what were what did you want to talk about? What films were important to you? And this was at the top yeah. of your list. This, was, this is, this is was, the I, one. I basically said it's this, or I think I had a backup, but it was like I really want to talk. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. Mr. yeah you texted me two or three, and then you said, "But really, Mister Mom," yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "All right." I've been dying to talk about this for years. <laughs> and here we yeah. are. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of like on uh, projects when, you know, you guys know when you're working on a project, there'll be like a table read or some sort of pre big pre-pro meeting where everybody goes around the table and somebody always is like, everybody has to say their favorite number <laughs> yeah. or their favorite. And often it's what's your favorite movie? Yeah. And people will always say like. Uh, something by Truffaut yeah, or sure. you know something with the the Shahirs the Shahirs of yeah, the world will, act, yeah. will name you yeah. know something obscure. art garbage yeah. Yeah, yeah something with what's her name who pair in it yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh I just always say Mr. Mom and I don't think people and then nobody respects me for the rest of the job oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding but it's it is for whatever reason I feel like a pretty it's it's shaped my life to I mean, some degree here's the thing I'm a fan of you as a director I love uh, the immigration sketch on Adam Ruins Everything I'm a big fan oh, of Adam Ruins Everything yeah that uh, show's so fun to work so on it's so well put together and I've I, I I don't we've never met before but I think I've actually probably edited some of your work at some point I yes. don't know when probably girl did you ever work Girl Code I worked some of the, I, I, I've yeah. been around yeah. I'm sure I would have touched yeah. something hear that Shahir's sketches, been around I think, yeah. yeah some of the sketches for Girl Code yeah. so, so I'm a big fan of you as a director, do you, you think I'm a big fan of your voice and accent in this podcast? Well, thank you. I, I work really hard <laughs> on it. And normally I just sound like this. No, um, but do how, how do you think Mr. Mom or any movie reflects your work as a director? Oh, wow. It's funny because I I don't remember the first time I saw the movie, but yeah. I know I was young and my parents had it for it might have yeah. been like a family movie. Yeah. Night. Oh, yeah. sure. So I think it the first time what I remember about it is that it's the first time I fell in love with Michael Keaton and I, who was so consistently awesome. yeah. good. Yeah. Amazing. And I revisited the movie later. And then also I feel like that put me on a track of watching other Michael Keaton movies, right. which then led me to night shift, which yeah, is yeah, his first, his, his first, first movie yeah. and Ron Howard's first directing movie. Yeah. And I think there's something about Michael Keaton and comedy pacing that I feel like has somewhat, it's the pacing of dialogue and his delivery that has informed to some degree the comedy that I like and yeah. the comedy that I would try to make. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing is you mentioned two people there that I think is the nexus of my, of, of when I love Michael Keaton is Michael Keaton and Ron Howard. And the movie I yeah. love is the paper. Have you seen the paper? Uh, you know what? Yeah. I, 
I don't remember it if I did. Okay. That that to I me. Mean, I, you know what? I thought I saw almost every Michael Keaton, but I have to rewatch the paper. It's, it's uh, I think it's, the, honestly, I think it's the best movie Ron Howard's ever made. And he's really? made some really, really great movies. Yeah. I love this movie. Because I have uh, not seen unab- this either. Unabashedly, I think the paper is just a masterpiece. And I think, and I kind of think it's the best thing that Michael Keaton's ever been in. And Michael Keaton's been in a lot yeah. of great things. Um, uh, it's kind of a more funny version of Spotlight, if you want to think about right. it that way. Right. Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, but but it's also it, so, quite but, but it's also a good film. Is it's, that a gr- what? it's a dramedy. <laughs> well, he and I have a thing about Spotlight. I love Spotlight. Apparently, Matt has I no love taste. Spotlight. I hate yeah. Spotlight. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know what? I don't. I, I hate no, it. For no, its no, praise. no, no, Matt, no, Matt, no, Matt, no, 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 straight Matt, up, Matt. You've said you hate Spotlight. I hate Spotlight. Not just on this podcast. I don't. I hate Spotlight. But more you knew so, how it was going to end. No, no. Titanic. No. There was not enough Spotlight. There was yeah. There's not enough spotlights. No, I just you know there's only so many times I can watch Six Feet of Dolly Track get pushed. No, but the the real reason is because it got so much praise I feel like it doesn't deserve. I think it's an average baseline film. I don't think it is. I think the script was amazing mm-hmm. and I think the performances were amazing. I don't know if it does. Did it won Best Picture, right? It won yes, Best Picture. I would say you you are right visually and from a directing standpoint, it was a solid, solid movie. And that dude had just made that Adam Sandler movie, yeah, the, the Cobbler. cobbler. Yeah. And so comparatively, this yeah. was a, a he masterpiece. Did the, the Station Agent. And yeah, he did, he, the um, Station Agent yeah. was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's a super talented guy. But um, I think the script and the performances were so good that it made it. It maybe got more credit as a full. I also like it because best picture. Well, I also I actually like the directing style because I think it, the whole point of that the way that film is put together is to underplay any f- flourish that That's you true. could have. It's it's basically like let's yeah. put the story front and center and to knock away anything that makes it interesting to <laughs> to, to yeah, people but, who aren't paying attention to the script. No, but yeah. to your point, I agree. That's a really I think good it's way massively directed. It. It's really hard to do that. Yeah, it's as a director, it's actually ch- a challenge, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of directors have trouble doing it to to put the story first yeah. and to not fall prey to fun camera tricks that you could do in yeah. the moment that makes sense scene by scene, especially if you're shooting something out of order. Yeah. You're in the moment I mean, of the scene and you're yeah. like, you know, it'd be cool that we should add I right know. now. Of course. It's, it's like course. Think about Zodiac versus Spotlight. You know, Zodiac right. is all about, okay, we're kind of bored with these scenes. Let's make them flourishy. Yeah. And, and David Finch is a master of that. But yeah. I think the, the Spotlight is really, really it's well restrained. Yeah, it it's, is well yeah. done, restrained directing. Well, I mean, I'm not going to, you, you both aren't going to convince me and I'm not going to convince <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. And we're not here to talk about Spotlight. No, but I am really glad I've gotten involved in one of your uh, one of very our respectful <laughs> arguments. We do have incredibly respectful yeah, arguments. You um, if you want to get involved in our respectful oh, arguments, yeah! you can reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter and tell us why you think Spotlight was massively directed and Matt has no taste. Also, you can oh! uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate those also subscribe to us on itunes is really helpful as well to spread the word on the podcast yeah please and also you know review us on there we love stars shahir i mean i know shahir I feel like does I set have set up a, that throw a little bit you did. without realizing a little it. bit of dripping Max, gotta get the last word in here though <laughs> a little bit of dripping pretension on there which is fine i love you know i Wait. soak it up i soak it up into my skin it's like a moisturizer um yeah but we really appreciate it so please keep those reviews coming um but so Right. Mr. This, this is what Mr. I'm interested in. And in, in even we, I really liked uh, kind of the question that you said, Shahir. Uh, I'm going to go from insulting you to complimenting you. <laughs> um, like that. Uh, there's something about films, uh, it, it, what most people would consider odd films that shaped us and shaped the our either sensibilities based on what was there or what was missing, and then we sort of fill it in. So, right. like, so for instance, Mr. Mom, I can totally see... And it's very strange now that I'm kind of churning it all in my brain, but even like sketches that I've worked on, you know, with you for the code shows or things like that. Right. Like there are bits and pieces that like do puzzle piece together. Very interesting. It makes total sense. I have my, my film in this sort of, um, in this slot in my brain is John Carpenter's escape from New York. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a slow monotonous action movie starring Kurt Russell. Right. Uh, but it, it shaped so much of like almost like the visual pacing. Like yeah. I, I take pieces from it that I know I like and I really, and works really well. And then I'm like, there's also, there's really long scenes that shouldn't be going as long as they are. <laughs> but like, it's, it's so funny when you say things like that, when people are like favorite films and you say something like Mr. Mom escape from New York. Uh, I don't know if she has a, has a, a, I, a shady I, one. 
Uh, there's there's a film from the I think we talked about it Zitz. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, oh, that's right. A film Zitz, from the eighties. Yes. That, yep. that kind of I do not know that movie. It's a hard movie to find. You can only play it on YouTube now, and it's very strange. Zitz like pimples. Yeah, exactly. All right, but I'll, I mean, I, I'm curious to go back to this question of like how you think. It's not it's not a because I think movies that we loved when we were younger kind of like filter into our DNA somewhat, and so it's like it's not even an active thing. It's not like we're trying to do the supermarket scene from Mr. Mom in a, in a right. comedy sketch. It's more like your sensibility yeah. and the things you kind of yes. like gravitate towards become informed by the things that you love when you were younger. So I'm curious, I'm curious for, for you, like in your professional life, like when, when do you kind of feel like, Oh, that's that, that's that tuna moment or that's the, that's right. the vacuum cleaner yeah. jaws joke. Or that's the, the drug blanket analogy. Yeah. You know, like you're going <laughs> to give up. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the, um, it's funny because <clears throat> Well, well, I mean, also that movie, I feel like just dealt with interesting gender way before it's time. Of course. It was like the early 80s. Like when did Kramer versus Kramer come out? Like it was like that whole era Later of like, sudden, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like, it was really ahead of its time with gender stuff. And I feel like that is super interesting that I probably subconsciously sure. keep, keep going back to watch that movie because of that. But also the, um, yeah, there's the two, I mean, like Martin Mull yeah. and the old 220, 221, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it takes exchange. Yeah. That is, and I, there's also the other moment that always sticks out in my head. There's two moments that I feel like I'm constantly trying to achieve the, okay. same, yeah. <clears throat> the same kind of joke. And one is, it's so subtle. It's when, uh, when Ron picks up Caroline, am I allowed to talk about the movie? Yeah, yeah. Okay. oh yeah, it's eighty three. Yeah, we can break structure alert, a little guys. bit. Yeah, so <laughs> guys, we're gonna spoil the plot of Mister Mom. Yeah. So yeah. stop the podcast. Go I watch you it, what, Matt. Matt, before we do it, why don't you tell us what the plot of Mister Mom oh, is? Oh, the plot. Yeah, oh, let's, I would let's fill people. Not everybody has watched this twice. I would time. love <laughs> to tell you that this movie is about this. After he's laid off, a husband switches roles with his wife. She returns to the workforce, and he becomes a stay-at-home dad. A job he has no clue how to do. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, IMDb one sentence yeah. writers. Scratching the surface. Uh, yeah. It's of really just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I but, mean, here's a here's a couple of interesting facts about Mr. Mom. Is that Mr. Mom was the number nine highest grossing movie of that year at, really? at 1983. Include and it, that was a year that included Return of the Jedi. It came in number nine. Wow. Um, with a with a box office total of 64 million dollars to this day. To this day, and 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 interestingly, it was written by John Hughes, who also yeah. wrote National, yeah. National Lampoon's Vacation. The same year. The same year, yeah. and it, it it Mr. Mom made more money than National Lampoon's Vacation, a film that I think we talk about more is National right. Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, Jaws 3D came out that year as well, and Mr. Mom made more money than Jaws 3D. Wow. Um, a couple other films that year: Trading Places, Flashdance, Terms of Endearment, War Games, Octopussy. Um, I just like saying that. Um, <laughs> uh, Superman three. Okay. Okay, we're only 13 minutes in before she said something like that. All right. Yeah, something crude. But uh, all those movies are so commonly talked about. And yeah, the, Mr. And Mom, Mr. Is, Mom not. is not. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that is? Because I honestly, when you said Mr. Mom, I'd, I'd heard the name. I'd never seen it before. I don't. You know what? I don't know why. I, because John Hughes was just started. I mean, he yeah. was just yeah. beginning was his, to blow yeah, up. Yeah, then. exactly. It was the first or second thing he wrote. Yeah. yeah. The director had done Stan, Stan Dracotti. Yeah. Dracotti. I, he did. Um, oh, I had like, it up. Not Kiss of the Spider Woman, but something else. Oh, no, no, no. The vampire film. Love yeah. at First Bite. Love you know, first comedy yeah, yeah. vampire film. Yeah. Uh, um, he did a Tom Hanks film called The Man with the One Red Shoe as well. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think it wasn't. I don't know why it isn't brought up as much because it maybe because it was more of a dramedy. It wasn't yeah. like Animal House or yeah. uh, Caddyshack, which is also phenomenal. But it made but a lot of money. It did well. It, I think because it was also a family comedy. Yeah. I Well, I want to say it was a family comedy. I, I have a theory about why, it, you know, like I like to look at like the contextual issues around a movie and like, you know, it's kind of silly, but you always say that comedy is based in reality. Like one of the most popular British comedies is The Full Monty and it's based on this economic downturn, which causes men to go out stripping, which is kind of a similar <laughs> analogy to, to Mr. Mom in some way. And and, and Except have, some men go out and work and this guy went and stayed home and worked. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's that's amazing to me. I don't know. I don't know how any man ever did that. But <laughs> what stripping? Yeah, uh, no, uh, both actually. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I need I need a towel just to get out of the shower. You know, like I, I um, uh, you know, like America was in an economic downturn. This whole film is set in the backdrop of the Detroit car industry, and it was yeah. kind of interesting to watch this from that like as a historical timepiece. And it was like, oh, people lived in Detroit and had houses, and like we're doing well. And then it all, you know, and then Jeffrey Tambor comes in and like ruins everything. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I kind of, I wonder if, if there was like, you know, there was some truth to the film that people were like, oh, you know, like this is actually speaking to the time and place that I'm in right now. It's actually, it actually has some resonance. Like, and for us watching it now, that kind of economic downturn doesn't seem as applicable. And also not, not only that, you know, like this is, this is 1983. So coming out of the late seventies, the idea, you know, Kramer versus Kramer was 1979. The idea that, that a guy would stay at home and look after the kids, uh, I, I mean, to us, it seems rudimentary, right? Like, right. It's, it seems like fundamental. But it was super yeah. groundbreaking back then. Yeah, think, yeah. It to, seems as a concept. Yeah, it seems, it, it seems, I, I guess that's what's weird about it now is like, like I watch it as a time capsule piece. Right. Because when I was watching it, like, and we, you know, all the gender stuff we'll get into in a little bit, but like, I was like, it's so interesting watching movies that you're absolutely right, Chair. It's like a time capsule. And you're like, this. Like, I know they're presenting this as all super weird, but because I never experienced this film when it was super weird, it threw me a little bit. I mean, obviously, I can do the mental gymnastics to get around it. I'm interested in that because seeing it for the I've seen it so many times. To me, it seems like it's held up. The comedy's held up. But for somebody because you said this is the first time you've seen it. Was it still is it as a neutral viewer? Is it still funny? Is it obsessively? Yes. Okay. It is still funny. I laughed. There are moments that I thought were very funny. I also really enjoyed, and I didn't realize how much I missed manic Michael Keaton. Yes. Like he, I haven't seen him like that in a long time Yeah, because Michael Keaton for me is Batman. Right. Yeah. And which is very, it's a very different Michael Keaton, but he did a Birdman Michael Keaton. Yeah. 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 So this was, I I, I know I'd seen it before and even to, to a lesser degree, of course I have to bring it back to the MCU or the extended MCU, the new Spider-Man movie where he plays the vulture. I'm actually, it's a villain that I absolutely hate uh, in the comics that I'm super psyched to see him play because he seems like he brings like a gravitas and maybe even a little bit of that manic crazy sort of back into it. I want him to bring that back. Yeah. Cause he, I would love, Love to see him in a comedy like not I mean of a similar ilk to this film today. I'd love to see him sort of be this sort of like You know what he was great in? The other guys. Yeah. Yeah, that? yeah, he was fun he in that. Like he's the boss who works part, in the uh, But it's old school Michael Keaton. Okay. The boss who works in the yeah. in the hardware store, right? Yeah, and he, he keeps making t- making TLC yeah, quotes. Yeah, 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 he keeps exactly. saying but, TLC. But nobody quotes, nobody but knows no, it. Yeah. yeah, he's he like He doesn't know it's TLC. That's not yeah. TLC. I, this, yeah. I'm just saying that. It's like a little snippet of yeah. old yeah. Michael. You can Keaton. you can find that that whole skit that whole all his bits from that on YouTube like cut together. That's super fun. It's really great. I I kind of like Beetlejuice Michael Keaton. Like Beetlejuice, yeah, that this feels I mean this feels like like proto Beetlejuice to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the, as his pacing. I'm not talking about. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about like the obviously the characters are not the same. Right. But like uh, the way he sort of he does this weird like body head shake when yeah. he's like excited about a thing, and yeah. that's something I always I always equate to Beetlejuice. It was like you fired me too, you son of a bitch. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It's like it's like down no like really like ramping right the back up. Well, that's one of my favorite moments is when there's. There's a couple, there's two, thro- there's throwaway lines he does that you're like, I don't know if those were improvised at the moment or if they're scripted, but they're brilliant. And one is when he's, Ron is waiting in the limo. He's saying yep. goodnight to Caroline. Yeah. They're going on the trip and Ron rolls down the window and says something douchey. And he just says, Hey, Madison Avenue, lighten up. And like, it's the same as the chainsaw one a little trim up trim on that mustache Ron yeah. like these like throwaway lines oh, I'm a regular Phil Collins or no Phil Donahue yeah, Phil, Phil, Phil Donahue yeah, yeah, yeah. kids yeah. Phil Collins with kids no. <laughs> so I'll be yeah. a pack of lies exactly <laughs> but it, it just his throwaway quick paced lines are like the some of the funniest parts that you don't notice till you watch it a couple of times and right. I think that's the that's like that comedy sweet spot that you're always trying to achieve and I think as well it's it's it, you know like to that point it, you gotta remember I think he was a Saturday Night Live guy as well for a little while wasn't he or no. he kind of 
Yeah, I thought Keaton had like a I background in Saturday Night Live. So. Maybe. Or maybe he was maybe. on it a couple of times. I don't we're know. talking about think... high register, so we're yeah, not yeah. sure. We're Ron Burgundying it. I know <laughs> when he was on Night Shift, the that was the first movie he did, and apparently the um, studio saw the dailies and was basically like, he's not going to keep doing this, is he? Right. This is not going to work. Oh, wow. And Ron Howard had to fight them. Like, no, no, no. Cause he was so manic and right. so crazy. And they were like, Ron Howard was like, no, 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 calm down. It's going to work out. And they were like, no, he can't do it. And Ron Howard just fought for it. And yeah. then that became his signature thing. I mean, he has kind of been slowing down his whole of course. career. Well, I mean, he started at 10 and he's getting to yeah, now. He's uh, at like yeah. a six. Yeah. But and Batman, he knocked it down for Bruce Wayne to like a two. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I don't, I, don't know if he was an SNL guy before. No, no, you're right. He's not. Oh, okay. He wasn't an SNL, but he did some sort of sketch comedy and stuff back okay. then as well. Uh, I, yeah, it's he's the thing is he's so endearingly likable. Yes, it's it's hard not to even when he's being manic and kind of being weird and like like the the. For example, the, the 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 sort of counterpoint film to this that I think was more of my age uh, was Kindergarten Cop. Right. You yeah. know, like that was kind of more the... Put the, the cookie down! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you couldn't... The thing is, is there's a... As soon as Michael Keaton walks in with the chainsaw and the goggles, you totally... You get the vulnerability of that. Whereas yeah. if Arnold Schwarzenegger did that, who Arnold Schwarzenegger is very good at physical comedy, right? But if, but if Arnold Schwarzenegger came in and did that scene, he it, would come it, off as threatening as opposed to a joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not that sort of endearing quality to him. Yeah. So I'm really, I, I really did like watching Michael Keaton kind of do his thing. And Terry Gar, so I, great. So well, oddly, I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite read her. It was really strange because I like, I remember her from like. I think she was in 90210 or something like that or a couple of This other. wasn't Aaron Spelling film. Yeah, yeah. It was. She, she what was else in, has I've Terry Gard I've seen done. her in some TV stuff. I can't remember. But I couldn't quite get a read on her in this film. Like, it was really right. strange for me. I couldn't, like, figure out what her feeling was. It wasn't like she was kind of, like, traveling on an arc. I just felt like she was a character. She who was, was in Tootsie? Yeah, she was in Tootsie. Oh, yeah. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Tootsie, Young also a great movie. Yeah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's, right. she's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. I just I, this is the thing that was interesting to me because I I think the the sort of sexual politics of it are are really interesting and, the, yeah. and I agree ahead of its time. But I also think it's kind of like also bemusingly dated in its approach to sexual politics. It was like, oh, uh, you know, like like when when Terry Gar like the outfits when she goes to oh, yeah. work, the outfits are man, ridiculous. a lot and of pussy bows, a lot yeah. of pussy bows, yeah. and the kind of cattiness between a, between oh, her and the other worker. My favorite thing is that all women who work in advertising have short hair and British accents. That, I couldn't like, yes. forget the British accent. They I was like, it, what like, is this? That's what I think power women equated to. But yeah. it was like f- you have to be foreign and have a short haircut to yeah. work to be like established in advertising which is hilarious yeah, to me yeah. that was what they just considered powerful short I hair I loved the advertising scene as well it was like all smoking oh, cigarettes so it was great. like Mad Men before when, when Mad Men looked dirty yeah. right, and yeah. gross and like this is like 20 years after Mad Men yeah. when women are allowed in the actual yeah. Yeah, yeah, meetings yeah, yeah. just the entire just the noise the second I saw it in my head I just heard <laughs> like that like like the, that dude shitty boardroom laughter yeah what's uh, weird is this company has a private jet though I was like, I was like what is this but if very small smoky and conference de- room. Yeah, yeah. Detroit is like yeah. falling apart around them and they're taking a private jet and eating steak. Right. You know? well, Ron, Ron was really trying to bust it out because he was trying to put the moves on her. Yeah. Right. So he pulled out the... the I think we solved the auto Detroit yeah. auto crisis. Yeah, I there think we figured Ron- out what happened. Ron <laughs> yeah. was chartering jets. I mean, did you see that dude's backyard with like the, the gaming oh, events? Yeah. Oh, and they have he the... Oli- in a mansion. The, yeah, the yeah. Olympics. It, yeah. His, his grandfather built it. I was like, man, advertising was really... Like they were selling the hell out of Ford and Mustang, but they weren't really selling Ford and Mustang. And they also weren't selling tuna, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently so. Not until the end. No, no. So so I kind of, yeah, like, I, I sort of have this interesting re- response to which is that I actually did, like, so little backstory <laughs> is I grew up in Fiji. And in Fiji, we didn't have TV when I was growing up. So what we would, what they would do, some entrepreneurial uh, local stores would do is that if someone, there would be one person who had a, like a TV satellite connection, which was um, connected to New Zealand, they would tape movies off TV and then rent them to everyone. So then you would, you know, that's how I got my Saturday. That was your blockbuster video. Yeah, exactly. But it was like little, little VHS tapes with handwritten notes on them. (laughs) And they would do like two to three movies. uh, You know, they would like bundle up two to three movies. Because on extended extra play, you can get like six hours on those things. Exactly. I feel like, to be honest, the video store in Rhinebeck, New York, was not probably that doing <laughs> probably doing the same thing. <laughs> very similar. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so you, then you would kind of get tapes that were kind of themed. 
You know, so like you would get family comedies or uh, something like that. And you could like, you know, like the family would sit around and watch. And because there was no TV, it was kind of an event to sit around and watch a VHS tape. Because sure. you wouldn't watch the six o'clock news and you wouldn't watch TV any other time of the day. So in, in the evening and you'd have this one tape. And, you know, um, so I had Mr. Mom in that kind of like it was one of many films that were kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't one that got. High you, rotation at my house. Do you remember what the other movies it was grouped with? Were? I I can't. I know you know the movie that got a lot of rotation when I was growing up in Fiji was Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Oh, oh wow, that makes a lot of sense that, for me. Yeah, probably that, not, that, not for you. Just just like in other countries, because Michael Jackson right. was such a force. He was yeah. such a force. Yeah, and and like for me personally, like Michael Jackson was everything. Yeah, growing up. So like the fact that he turns into a robot or a car in that movie <laughs> was just mind blowing. Um, and that's uh, not one of your formative films. That's so strange. I think I feel like Working Girl, but Working Girl was years later. And like yes. this would have been this. So so what would have happened was this would have been one of the older movies on the tape. It was Working Girl. I'm pretty sure um, Broadcast News was one of them. Um, you know, oh, like wow. the kind, of, kind of family comedies. Sure. But yeah. Broadcast News is pretty dark and pretty heavy. Um, but, but family comedies could be dark and heavy back then, which is well, kind well, of right. They but were. The thing is, there's no curation process in this. It's not like, you know, like it, it, we're just taking whatever feed is available, right. taping it, and then putting and slamming it together. It's not yeah. like someone knew what Mr. Mom was versus what you know, broadcast right. news was. Yeah. And so watching it now, I, the thing that I'm kind of, you know, like interested, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply interested in the John Hughes connection. Cause I love John Hughes. Uh, I think the breakfast club is a masterpiece. I think Ferris Bueller's day off is, yeah. is just masterpiece. I'm not a big fan of 16 candles, but it's pretty good. Right. It's just, it's just yeah. My sister loved that movie. I and, loved it. Yeah. And so and you hate your sister. And therefore I, I was like, I was like not into it. Yeah. Um, but so I'm, I'm really interested in the John Hughes thing. But when I watched it this time around, I kind of was kind of like this, you know, this is like, making movies back in the day must have been such a charming exercise because it was like, as opposed to like a real serious arc to this movie, what I kind of felt like happened was that they kind of like took scenes. It was like, oh man, wouldn't it be, if you're a, if you're a guy who has never been to the shopping mall, you know, to the supermarket before, wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. And then the next one was like, if you're a guy and you've never like, you know, cleaned the house before, wouldn't that be funny? Or you've never used the vacuum cleaner, wouldn't that be funny? And like soap operas were huge. So it was like, let's just do an entire soap opera parody. Can I, can I tell you straight up? So growing up in Amherst, New Hampshire, I would come home from school and my mother would watch, would be watching soap operas. And so I would sit down and watch, soap operas so i have this whole general hospital background yes. like, i know port That's charles like the back of my hand i uh. know so much about general so, hospital <laughs> so like when, when he there was something extra endearing to me when he started getting hooked on soap operas because i was like yeah yeah but i guess i guess my yeah, i i completely agree as well but but to my point is as a structural exercise you're those, looking at it in it's chunks it's so fun it no, seems no, like it, there was it, less at stake and it was n- so yeah, fun yeah and, and every say, scene yeah. just comes up as like like the transition in into like him having a beard and having a slight paunch is kind of like it, you know one scene he kind of loses the race and the next scene he's got a paunch and he's got a beard <laughs> right. yeah. you know yeah. like it's it, there's no yeah. like there's no like sense of like oh this is getting worse it's just kind of like oh here's a it's it's a, like it's almost like vignettes you know like little yes. vignettes of a film and I was like it, it's 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 endearing but it 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 was for me it kind of felt more like scene I, I really felt this was like scene work you know like like he right. comes into the scene. They have a little exchange, a joke happens. The vacuum destroys everything. Right. And And because they had such a, the cast was such a, like they, those guys are also great at improv and comedy. Christopher Lloyd is in this for like three seconds. seconds, Yeah. yeah. And Martin Mull and Jeffrey Tambor. And my, and you know, so much of it was like, what's the funniest thing we can do in this scene? The whole, apparently the, the 221 thing was kind of improv. Oh, you could. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That does not surprise me at all. The 220, 221. And then there's a callback for 357, not 358, whatever it takes. I did. The one thing I thought rewatching it was. At the end, big spoiler. At the end, they he go he gets his job back, yeah. and she is decides she misses her kids and wants to go home. And and part of me was saying, oh, well, the, did it not really go anywhere? But it did because it's really a relationship comedy. Right. The kids are there and they're funny, but it's not about it's a it's relationship not about the comedy. Kids. Yeah. No. Right. There's something. And, oh, sorry. No, I was just and so they did. There was like a resolution where they both grew and their relationship was stronger, and they realized it's a they what they want to do and how they want to do it, and they're supportive of each other. So it was 
There was growth. So, there was an art. But, but this is so the thing I, about I Terry Gar, where I was like, I couldn't make a read on her. I didn't. I couldn't get a read of whether she liked her job or whether she wanted to like move up that because she oh, by she, the end because yeah. it's very 80s in that she like gets promoted immediately you know right. like as soon as you show some initiative right but you right. know what kind of undercuts it and i know it's a part of the comedy and whatever like so there's there's, there's extra i call them love interests or people that are pining for both yeah both main characters <laughs> um, right obviously ron the shitty boss who's like hitting on her who's and pretty much a rapist i got uh, yeah, yeah. but, and, and, but I mean, this isn't a defense of it, but like all 80s villains were pretty much rapists. Yes, yeah, like it's a very strange yeah. thing. Um, and then you have, um, I can't remember. Joan. Joan, the, uh, the neighbor who just wants to do both in He's dream like an and not in dream. And Jillian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so like hitting on Michael Keaton. So, and, and, but like hitting on, like in that way that movies sit up people like as attractive is like, oh, He's single, right? You know, or, or, or no, no, he's yeah, just like a dad like at blood home. Blood in the water and sharks will well, come. There's like, that scene in the grocery store yeah. where the other friend whose name I don't remember, yeah. who's like, he's married. Yeah, she yeah. says, so, so were we once. But you don't hate for some reason. It's because it's an '80s movie. Yeah. You're like, I don't hate her for being a homewrecker. Yeah, exactly. I'm and almost it's, rooting for her. At it's, it's weird though how close. Like, like uh, it's weird how close she like uh, Michael Keaton goes to the line yeah. with her and then like, and, but it's like oddly endearing, you know, like at one point he's like staring down her top, you know, she's like, what, what have I got here? And he's like two pair. And, yeah. And like oh, yeah, Terry coupon poker. Yeah, yeah. Coupon poker was hilarious. And Terry Gar is standing behind them watching it. And it's like, wait, this is like clearly as a married couple that you've, probably crossed a line here. yeah and, and then the next scene like she's in bid you know when Terry Gar comes home and right. he's in the bathroom going through the entire alphabet of why he should or should she, not do it but then she just like shoes her away it's it's and at no point do you really judge him for that <laughs> which is uh, that is the art maybe of 80s filmmaking that yeah. we've just, it's that like, might be the uh, why does capsule? everybody get away with everything that I there's no judgment I wasn't ever like oh he's a terrible what husband. a fucking scumbag yeah. so an interesting thing is I read uh I I, I did some Mr. Mom reading <laughs> And and oh, uh, really, John Hughes was offered to direct this. Like so, the producer Laura Shola Do- uh, Donner um, kind of had met had met uh, John Hughes, and they uh, for some reason John Hughes had just had his baby, and he was kind of telling her stories about how he didn't know how to go to the supermarket, he didn't know how to use the vacuum cleaner, and she just fell over and started laughing. She thought this was <laughs> hilarious, and he was like, "Look, I've got eighty pages on this if you want to check it out." So obviously he was he was probably pitching her on you know like right, unintentionally, yeah. and. And then um, they offered it to him to direct it, but but he, you know, John Hughes has this thing, which is he didn't want to make any movies outside of Chicago. He liked uh, working in Chicago. He liked working with uh, with actors in Chicago, which is why, um, and, he, and he loved like being on location. He didn't want to be in LA. And so um, uh, Donner produced it and decided to bring in uh, Aaron Spelling as the, as the sort of EP. And Aaron Spelling was obviously a TV guy. There was this kind of feeling that this movie should have been a TV movie. In fact, it was remade as a TV movie. TV movie yeah, a little one bit later. year later one year what? later 1984 TV, yeah as a TV movie with the, a whole new cast whole new cast uh, nowhere near as funny didn't make as much money um, but the interesting thing was was that uh, I think Hughes talked about it a lot where he said you know like they basically sketchified every you know what he'd written as a film because we know John Hughes can write a movie right sure. he can yeah. he can he can put together a whole story that means something so he kind of talks about it as well it's very successful but it, it's kind of taking his his original script, which had I think more of an arc to it, and uh, kind of just making it individual sketches, wow. right? Um, to play it out. But see, I think I've had this conversation on a broader, which is a bigger conversation about why some comedies with heart work as comedies with heart, and some dramedies work and others don't, mm-hmm. because it is a balance of getting people to laugh while still being invested in a story. Yeah. And oftentimes movies just lean too far on one side or the other. Yeah. And I think that is a constant challenge in making scripted comedies is balancing that investment in the characters and investment in the story with the laughs. And some movies go just straight laugh. And, and I think I feel like I do think this did a good job of balancing it because I, I was invested in it, but I was laughing through the whole thing. Here's why it does a great job. And and it's funny because it needs more, like it it would take more than one viewing of this for me to actually get the, the reasoning why. Uh, but like it does, it rides that knife's edge of comedy and caring so, so carefully. And it does it, it, it must do it incredibly well 
because while watching it, I never thought about it. Exactly. And so exactly. like, there's these things that happen to all the characters. Things we talked about the near cheating on on Jack's part, the you know uh, the whole thing about that and him messing up a bunch or her uh, kind of. Oh, I'm trying to remember what was the what was the wife's name? Carolyn. Carolyn. Yeah. yeah. When Carolyn was um, there was that scene where she find like near like two thirds three where she's like, no, I need to do my job. I need to do my job, and she like leaves and like yeah. they was like that was a little bit she of sort doesn't of doesn't come home one night. Yeah. And yeah. Dinner. Yeah. yeah. And like there's a bunch of like, yeah. that sort of Plus stuff. The downfall of the auto industry. Of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's that in the backdrop. But like there's there's something about it. Like there's a lot of serious shit that you could you that happens in this movie. Right. But it never focuses on that serious shit enough or in a certain way to take you away from the fun that the movie is trying to be. And that's hard. But you also follow the story. Yeah. You don't lose track. Like there's a lot of movies I feel like where they either get too off on the tangent of improv comedy and you know, it's a kind of Will Ferrell yeah, kind of modern w- comedies. Yeah. Funny people, which is, uh, well, that's, sure. it's just that's kind all of over dark. the place. Yeah. yeah I haven't movie. seen and Baywatch because it's coming out soon, but I hear I'm there's sure that's bits and be pieces that. of that in there as well. Right. I think in, I the then there's the other like I think Mean Girls is a great movie. Mean but Girls that, is a fantastic movie. But it also lost the comedy somewhere through really? half, partway through. I feel like to some degree at the end. I feel huh. like the end of that movie didn't know what it was and it became a very earnest huh. resolution I, ending movie huh. that forgot it was a comedy for the last act. But uh, and maybe it that's, probably did because I'm looking at all the jokes that I know from Mean Girls, like Get In Loser, and they're from Act One and Act Two. to me, that's that's when comedy is slightly more more transcendent which is that it it take it, you know like and i think towards the end of mean girls there are still laughs to be had but it, it is trying to it's not what i like about mean girls and you know there's a couple comedies like this recently i love super bad i think super yes. bad does a really good job of this, i agree where it is that's a great balance yeah it's a perfect balancing act and i but it, it's not afraid to kind of be earnest as well you know like that I, that old adage good comedy comes from truth but i feel like there's a difference between earnest and honest Right. I, and I think that's where it gets into the um, forced earnestness. Right. Earnestness sure. Yeah. At the end of a movie versus what feels like raw honesty where you can find the humor in it. Still. Right. And yeah. I think that's that really fine line to walk along. And I think. I'm, and I'm sure it is because of studio pressure and what you oh, have to yeah. do to wrap up a story that there movies will sometimes comedy movies will sometimes venture into the earnest as opposed to the honest and get, do you know, one something. of my favorite movies that I watch almost once a year that it's, it's to me, it's like the case study of a film that never attempts to try and turn its comedy into earnestness. Ishtar. I wish it was Ishtar. <laughs> one of the biggest flops of all time. Yeah. No. What about Bob? Have you seen that with with Bill Murray? Oh yes, and, and Richard Dreyfus. And Richard yeah. Dreyfus. That is that a film, is fantastic. And it's a film that just continues to escalate yes. the absurdity of which Bob is kind of ruining this person's life. To and and it never at any point allows him to learn a lesson. It never mm-hmm. like tries to make this relationship between these two men work. I think it's a case study for like a film that to me works and never really tries to like ever take that step. And that is even harder because those movies where only one person knows the other person's crazy and is yeah. trying to convince anybody can very quickly get repetitive or dull. Yeah. That movie, do, it's like also Groundhog's Day is another good example. Oh, God Day. bless Groundhog's such Day. a great job yeah. of, but that has a lesson is, to it. But it, it never went too earnest. It, yeah. it, it always felt right. in yeah. the right tone. Again, it had the balance. Yeah. And I and I yeah. What about Bob is a great example. Oh, I love that movie so much. It's very good. Um, but Overboard, another great example. Oh, yeah, Overboard, yeah. Oh, one, Overboard. Kurt Russell, yeah, yeah. Oh, God bless Kurt Russell. <laughs> so, I mean, that, to me, uh, Mr. Mom kind of doesn't hold up. Maybe it's not, a, it, but the thing is, it's like, it's not a movie that I love, 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 you know, like where I'm like right. obsessing about it. I think there's, a, to, to me, what's endearing about it is, is Michael Keaton. Yes, I think, I think sure. fully. That's the thing. You know, and the other thing. This and movie, Martin Mull is a bad guy. Yeah. I, I feel like Martin Mull did a good job of, it's not his funniest his work. His swarmy. But his, he did a good job of nailing the swarmy guy. He was the perfect counterpart to Mike. Michael Keaton couldn't have been as funny without Martin Mull. <laughs> yeah. Martin no, I Mull agree with that. It's that. Funny, um, The grocery checkout operator in the supermarket was the same woman from Furious Bueller's Day Off. Uh, she was the uh, the principal's assistant. Oh, um, right. And then she's playing the exact same role. I forget what her name is but um uh she, that's the the cotex what the uh uh clean up on aisle something clean up oh, oh no, no cotex yeah cotex, cotex on sale i think we have a sale on these yeah. that yeah. yeah 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 she's great 
That's right. I didn't even realize that was a good catch. <laughs> it's uh, there are moments. And so it's interesting because you're saying like how it doesn't hold up. <sighs> I, I think it's endearing. Sure, and it's sure, a, sure. It's a really interesting it time is capsule. Of the, it is a time capsule. That's the thing. Because but it still makes me laugh. Like, right. there's several movies that I have watched that I thought were hilarious once and that I watch now and do not make me laugh We just all. We just did one for me. Oh, that? right. For that was, like, I feel like you were having an identity the crisis. Aquatic. The life yeah. aquatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> life aquatic. Aquatic, aquatic. <laughs> seemed to be having some sort of identity crisis. Yeah, it sucked. Revisiting it. It really sucked. Not, not saying I'm, the movie is what, what I feel about it, but like it sucked for me. To see how much your perspective To see how much my changed. perspective had shift, shifted. So this film, Mr. Mom, was uh, weirdly... Uh, a breath of fresh air even outside of itself because I knew it was a time capsule going in yeah. and I knew uh, but but to actually because you I, there's a ton of 80s comedies that don't hold up yes and this one I, I watched and I was like I dig this like yeah is the do I think there's some trite shit like the tampon joke and the clean or whatever right, that yeah. thing or like you know whatever the Jaws theme or the Chariots of Fire. You know, like, sure. they, like I was like they're all, really parodying. Like, yeah. yeah, like they that. used the music from Patton for the yeah, the yeah. Edge. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, is there trite stuff in it? Sure, but there is something weirdly endearing about a Michael Keaton and b the situationalness of it all. Like of it, like, and I also obviously because it's an eighties movie in a certain in a certain uh, ilk. Uh, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, and I also didn't care that I knew exactly what was going to happen. There's something interesting to me about how, like I keep bringing up the vacuum, but the vacuum is like this evil sort of entity, this room, they call it the shredder or something. I don't remember what right. they call it. Jaws. And then Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but eventually he's literally commanding it. Like it's a remote controlled robot. Right. Yeah, he's like, go clean up the kids. And it just goes, yeah. Meh, and it, like turns and you're like, Whoa, yeah. uh, fighting the, the washing machine yep. like rocky and yep. i mean the the moments that the thing i one of the other things i love about that is the relationship with the kid with the whoopee and yeah. his conversation about i mean about growing up about growing up the whoopee being a blanket yeah, yeah and the having to get rid of the whoopee and that Using kid, it. those kids were also amazing yeah actors. they were really fun <laughs> yeah and yeah. then yeah. i, I love i love little things like things that really got me again were side sort of things like you said before whereas like oh uh, you fed a baby chili and then he's in the bathroom <laughs> and it's just horrifying how many times have you fed your son uh uh, we have not fed him chili yet. Oh, you got to <laughs> yes. do that. I'm not sure what the food is that makes him, you know, like poop yeah. like a maniac. Yeah. I don't know. What well, you'll find out. Yeah, yeah, we'll find this out. This will take years of experiment yeah. Yeah, exactly. to find out. Oh, God. I, I know now it's not chili. It's chili is not <laughs> something we should get. How no. old is your kid? 18 months. Does he have any sort of <laughs> binky, wubby past anything? He's, he's starting to get attached to his like, <laughs> I love this though, by the way, he's starting to get attached to his like soft toys that are in bed with him. Uh, but, uh, and, and he's got a monkey and a titty, but he's got a fox and he can't say X. So, so, so it's fuck. <laughs> so, like, so I just love, I love putting them in a row and go and like monkey, <laughs> fuck, titty. <laughs> like I just, that's like my, my, I, I, when I'm home alone with him, that's like right. how I endlessly you. <laughs> when you're Mr. Mom. When I'm Mr. Mom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> On a completely separate note, but similar, uh, my nephew was obsessed with Thomas the train, yep. which yeah. I'm sure yeah, your yeah. son Toma. will be eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But Thomas's best friend is Percy, which every child He's has a trouble pussy. saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, has trouble with ours, and somebody did that on purpose. Oh, a hundred percent. Because it's always Thomas needs pussy needs to go to get cleaned. Pussy's dirt, and it's yeah. yeah somebody yeah. intentionally yes. was like, "What can we name this yes. tray?" That's yeah. amazing. Sweet British humor. Uh, something. Oh, yeah. the, so so. We knew sort of the things that were coming for most, or I knew, even though I hadn't seen it. Something you brought up briefly, Laura, that uh, I was hoping it took a turn and it didn't. There was a moment near the end where the boss, the bad boss comes back and offers Jack his job. And then um, Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's like this big sort of culmination in the house of everything coming right. together. Yeah, yeah. All the repair people uh, are there. Yeah, yeah, for some reason, what, like, who I love the repair, repair people. people. I all love on, the repair people. Like, all on people. one day. Yeah. It all turned out. It was like the time when you had to get a TV repair person instead I of Google. It. I, I get that. It. I feel like sometimes I'd rather have everybody come do everything <laughs> yeah, in one yeah. day. And everyone, like, yeah. knew him. Uh, anyway, uh, there was a moment where Jeffrey Tambor says uh like they're making like back and forth like the contingencies like i need my friends back and he's like fine done yeah, yeah. he's like do you want to do you want to come back you know uh five, company car company car five days a week four days a week three days a week two days a week and i was like when he labeled that i was like oh shit 
They're going to do something super progressive. Yeah, we're co-parenting, co co-working. Co-parent. That's what I yes. thought. I thought 100% that was yeah. going to happen. And then it was like, nope, he just goes back yeah. to work and she goes home. Test audiences were like, we don't believe this is possible. Yeah. That would have been. We have to change this. Oh, that would have been, so been so good. I know, that would have been so good. So that was my one point of the movie. That would have been extremely cutting edge. But that's my, that's my, I guess, current day sensibilities but being that, disappointed in that, something. That was still yes. very progressive. Just, yes. I was like, you're not progressive enough. 1983 <laughs> but that's an interesting thing which is that you I, I couldn't get a read on on Terry Gar and it's it's weird to me as well as like how domesticated she is like to the point where she's cutting her boss's steak when you know like without even realizing yeah. it and then she gets into the into the boardroom and she starts cleaning up and they're like we have cleaners for that right and there's this like sense of you know, <laughs> oh you don't get out much the right. one that, the one that really got me though the one, I don't know why this was like jarring for me is when when Michael King gets fired and she like she dresses the kids up and kind of presents them to him as the. Oh, and I was, right. And I don't know why, because it was like to me this got, this got the sense that that's like the rules book from the fifties. Yeah, how to, how to make your husband how happy. to make your husband happy. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, I can't quite get a handle on on. But I think that was probably the. I mean, I think that works to set the tone of what the tone is at the beginning of the movie and where it ends up. It's very much the old school thinking about the man comes home, make sure he's comfortable, make it, him dinner and where it ends up where he's. But she's, you know, like, like to, it actually even begins right at the beginning, which is that she, you know, she she's gets getting up, up first. She gets up first. She turns on the shower right. for him. And, she gives and him food. She gives him food. And yeah. he can't remember to take off his pants before getting in the shower. Right. Yeah, exactly. Classic. Like, oh, Classic. I can't count the times I've done that. <laughs> but you then know, there's a, isn't there the exact same scene later on where he gives her, her food in the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he gives yeah. a piece of toast in case in the you shower. didn't understand that there's been a shift. There's been a shift. There <laughs> has been a shift of, of role. There's been a role reversal. There has been a role and reversal. And a bagel is the best way to show it. A bagel in the shower. <laughs> I agree. But it was just, it's <laughs> Man, such a level great. of domesticity like where that, that just doesn't exist now. Like you would never... I can't imagine, you know, like ever going home and having my child presented to me with right. dinner on the table, sure, kind of sure, thing. Sure, sure, nice sure. clothes and nice clothes but and everything. I you have know what friends, I mean? so it's interesting. So I have friends that are, uh, or a friend that is a full uh, stay-at-home dad. Mm -hmm. Has he seen Mr. Mom? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to find yes. out. Yeah, but uh, it's funny because while watching this, I was just like. Uh, it, you know, it, it's like I couldn't help but be like, "Oh, this is how he's going to be like this, whatever." But like, we uh, we just went away to a wedding uh, this last weekend, and uh, his uh, his daughter, who's uh, like I think three months or something right, like right. that, uh, we took a road trip with her basically. So it was just me and him and this three month old in a car to Connecticut because he was it's like three like, men and a little lady yeah. minus one, <laughs> right, right, right. one, one guy. Minus one one guy, guy didn't make it. Yeah. But like, I was just picturing like how we were with. Oh, oh, this is the best part too. And I know I'm sort of going off a tangent so it was to a wedding uh he was gonna drop uh the baby off with his mother so then then we could all go to the wedding um but we had to we hung out in the groomsman's suite uh so it was eight uh, with the baby or with baby? the baby. So okay. it's like 10 dudes getting ready for a wedding <laughs> and a baby, a three month old baby girl. Yeah. And Just like watching, but like we had her in a little, like little bouncy chair and whatever. And it was so funny because we were like being super crass and just being monsters. <laughs> and then like, whenever we passed the baby, we'd be like, Oh, your sock fell off. And like, we'd like play with the baby for a second. Yeah. Right. So like the, my, the, the point of the story is, I think when I when I watched it, so there's obviously yes, it's dated, and there's obviously the yup, it's role reversal and and sort of um, the, I I I was able to see how on a personal level, like how easy it it is to just sort of like, especially and maybe it's just today. In fact, I'm sure it is just today, but like that's a super easy cool transition if you want to do it that way like right. like he wants to do that they're in a position his his wife and him are in a position where that sort of works and that's fucking great like he's super psyched and like if i look at their roles like even just how just knowing them i'm like yes yeah. like but that is very new i know a hundred percent and this is. was 1983 yeah. yeah and if you think about the time between that and i mean very new like in the past couple of years people are far more accepting about Within, like, the last three or four without yeah. judgment and and that's a long time in between and the thing that movie did 
although it was about his struggle, it also showed how hard it is to be a mom, which it did in a very subtle, not heavy handed way, which is the best way to let everybody know how hard it is to be a mom is to see it from the guy's perspective. It did freak it out. It did a great job of saying this isn't an easy job. I think that's also something that only recently are people coming around, like realizing that it's a full time gig. Yeah. 17. That was 1983. And it's still just a new thing for stay at home dads. And let me ask you this very long. Do we think that it's, I mean, I, I know it's new, but like, also, do we think we're living in our New York, LA bubble at yes. this point? Like, I do think you think middle America bit. would, would look at this and be like, or look at that situation right now and be like, yeah, that's fine. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. I think the cool being cool with the stay at home dad and the mom working is probably pretty progressive and on the coasts more than it is anywhere sure. else. So yeah. It might be bubbly a little. Yeah, I don't know. I always, I always try to, I, I, I'm trying to think about the bubble these days. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean like having just come into, into that role a little bit, it's, it's interesting to think about because I guess for us now, Without a doubt, my wife does more work uh, as a parent than I do, like way more. She is much more uh, needed by our child. She is much more and she's much more capable of looking after (laughs) a child than I am, like way more. And she's just she is. I don't know your home life entirely, but I would 100 percent agree. Oh, yeah, completely. (laughs) She is way better at not killing him than I am. You know, like she's just she's just really good at we've that. taken him to the park before we we uh we look like <laughs> we look like the we, same sex couple when yeah, we go yeah. to the park adorable yeah, yeah. um but but i think you know like there's an interesting i guess maybe it is a little bit of the bubble but but we the thing that i found really difficult to to parse from the film itself was that um in my experience when you become a parent your whole life kind of suddenly shifts and you're like oh shit there's this thing I got to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And it's such a shock to the system that you either adapt or die. I watched Mr. Mom thinking that he's never looked after the kids a day in his life. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it kind of, well, it the beginning like the scene, baby he comes was, down, he does a joke of the day. He like does his quick thing. He's like, mm, gotta go. And then yeah. like, he's gone. Like you can just tell it's like, he sees him in the morning and he yeah. sees him maybe at night. Yeah. 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 He bolts and then he goes. And I was like, I guess, I, and, and I'm not saying that that isn't true. Like that isn't true of like 1983 and isn't even true. You know, it's probably still true of working parents today. Uh, but it was, that was the thing that I was, that I found like it, it, in some ways it kind of, although I know John Hughes wrote it from experience, it kind of felt like someone writing about parenting who'd never been one. Right. You know what I mean? Like Although a I think little in bit. that era, it probably was it a lot of parents who or dads who worked full time and didn't know their child, literally didn't know their children or the yeah. things yeah. about it. And he's just the dad that comes in and hangs out with them before they go to bed. And then sure. on weekends, yeah. maybe, I think that probably was more normal than it is very different. I think that part is different now yeah. that even working dads with stay at home moms are more involved in the kid's life yeah. when they're not at the office. Or at I, least I hope so. I yeah, mean, I definitely know, like, to hope. like when I'm working, um, it is, it is a little bit like that. Cause I don't see him at, you know, like he goes to bed early, so I don't see him at night and I just see him in the morning and I'm really tired. So it is a little bit like that sometimes, sure. but I, it, you know, I just, I kind of got the impression that he'd never like, he'd never hung out with his kids. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's also interesting in whatever role I think, and and uh, you know, today it's obviously different. You know, it's accepted at least in the bubbly situation that either parent can do it. Uh, but like, I just look back at my own childhood, and I was like, oh, so my mom stayed at home and my dad worked. Yeah. So when I was younger, younger, my dad was just this dude that showed up in the mornings in the nighttime because he literally right. worked whatever. But then when I got to be like. I don't know, like eight or nine or 10 or whatever the age, like for instance, like Cub Scout started and stuff like that. Then he took a more sort of active role. He right. became like a scout master. And like, I think it's interesting because there's more for him to do. I, I, I yeah. guess. Cause like, otherwise it's just like the care is being taken care of while the other person is going out yeah. and making money. But now, now when I eventually turned into what I would consider almost a human, mm-hmm. uh, then he could have interactions with me on a meaningful yes. level right. outside of making sure I, I don't die. Right. So I think there's something interesting with whatever parent works. Yeah. They're going to get to know their kid later in life than the one that stays home. I have the opposite situation okay. because my mom was worked full time and my dad was a teacher. So he worked full time, but he was home when we were home right. after Three school yeah. and yeah. in summers. So as a kid, I was actually, I wasn't a latchkey kid, but I came home to a babysitter. Both my parents worked. My dad just got home earlier. My dad made dinner all yeah. weeknights. My dad did. And then on weekends, 
my mom would do the bigger meals and holidays, but I knew my mom more later Yeah, because she was the bigger breadwinner. She did the bills. She ran like, yeah, she was the, it was a kind of reverse situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but my oh, dad you- was also my softball coach and he was super mm-hmm. involved in our lives and was around more, Yeah, yeah. which yeah, I guess maybe that's formed how that's why I am like I am maybe. Right. <laughs> no, I mean we're all we're all we're yeah. all products of of how yeah. we were raised. That's why I spent a long time dating people who didn't know how to do bills. But I've <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know how to do bills. Yeah, just a lot of defaulting on payments. Oh, right. <laughs> we were having some relationship discussions yeah. before oh, you got here, Chanel. Yeah, all right, I get it. There's uh, a lot of Con Ed bills not paid in my past relationships, but now wow. I've moved but on now, to a bill payer. You you are Whoa. dating a bill payer, and congratulations. Yes. Thank you. That must be amazing. A huge step for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> Is it just an auto pay thing? Like, if they just turn the auto pay yeah, on? Yeah, you would think. That, that would, would be... Just, that would solve so many problems. very logical. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you put someone in a situation... Like Mr. Mom, here's the that thing. has not had to do it before. It's foreign to them, and then they just don't know. Here's yeah. the thing: I I was really curious about what Joan wants. Like, I was like, what is Joan she wants to fuck? Yeah, no, but is it just because like w- breaking up that relationship <laughs> means that now she, she becomes- doesn't get a friend? Yeah, and she kills a friend. She have to yeah. be with no, but no, she, but, does she get the kids? That might be the most dated portrayal of oh. a single woman, uh, in like, her a, like, a fucking, like a fucking housewife, like a fucking predator, yeah. just full like cougar before cougar was a yeah. thing. Yeah. Even though she was probably supposed to be 34. I don't know how old yeah. she was. And also, to be. there was something uneven about her because it was funny because, like, there were hints and hints and hints, like, down the shirt and, like, poker and, like, helping out and whatever. She never did anything, like, too awful. Then there's a dream sequence where she comes over in, like, uh, lingerie. Yeah. Right. And then they have a oh, whole. A, I love that dream. A dream. whole right. thing. Well, yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Uh, and, then, uh, and then you're like, oh, that's the natural progression of what this was going to, whatever. And then it goes not in a dream sequence of her coming over to just fuck him in. in in, the their bed, bed. Yeah, in their bed and she like literally hears that he's like having tri- i forget why but she like gets in her car and like goes there yeah in her like she's cool like a, single girl she's car the siren right she's subtra- she's just there her character was joan just there to tempt him joan gets but down. what i like about it is they didn't make her into like a cliched ditzy hot no she was very smart she was smart and conniving and kind of a bad guy to yeah oh sure and she was the less rapey bad guy but then good with the kids but then cheered him up at the strip show this is what i mean i forgot they took him to the male strip you know what it is that is a complex female character for a movie in the 80s like that i guess that era did have a lot of complex female characters but that was a very non-cliche she was not one note multifaceted huh what did she want? Like she, what, want, what she wanted, to fuck, she wanted to fuck Michael It was just, it was just down and to fuck. I That's get it. it. I want to fuck Michael Keaton. See, there you go. We all do, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, like apparently <laughs> I have since I was 12. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, you know. <laughs> But what, what, like, is she going to... She's going to fuck record, Michael Keaton. For the record, I was not 12 in 1983. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> good catch. Good catch. Good catch. I, I was one. There you go. I uh, was four. I okay. don't think I saw this movie. I didn't find it till the 90s gotcha. at some time. Yeah. Uh, no, she just wants to have sex. That's it. And sometimes yeah. that's all you want, you hear? Right. Okay. And I don't think she cares about the consequences. No, she no, doesn't give doesn't a shit. Care about yeah. the She'll think about it after the fact. I feel like Terry Gard doesn't care that much either, to be yeah. honest. Well, like, here's the thing. If like, Michael, get out of here. If Michael Keaton was good, she would then... We have to deal with the consequences. If he was bad, she would have gotten out of his, her, her system, and then that would have been it. But I don't think Terry Gar would have ever fucked Martin Mull ever. No, 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 no. no, no because Martin he was a if, gross. Yeah, yeah. even okay. if he, Michael Keaton fully fucked up and the marriage was going down, the she'd tr- go to that I, strip she, club that all of her friends went to. Yeah, yeah because Martin she would have been single for a while and then figured it out later. Then she would have found a Mister Mom yeah. to go hit on. She Maybe never, she would have ended up with Christopher Lloyd, uh, and that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I mean, because 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 Martin Mall was also like it was never a point where she was like attracted to his money. No, like yeah. she she was never like, oh my god, his life would be so great if I lived here. You know, like it was not a, there was never a sense of that. I mean, you do have to give John Hughes credit for these very three dimensional, multifaceted female characters yeah. that he created from the beginning. Yeah. yeah, because they were they could have easily fallen into stereotypes. Like you you and, look at like National Lampoons, right? Yeah, and you look at that sort of thing, and and I forget uh, what's uh, what's her name, Beverly I, uh, D'Angelo. Yeah. 
Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah. Good, so good. good catch. Cheekbones like you'd never believe. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but she, like, you know, with either Wayne Newton or, like, whoever she's sort of with. Like, it's the Vegas one. But, like, right. the, but like she's always, like, tempted by, like, the money and, like, the whatever. Like, nothing ever happens. Just, like, Clark is tempted by the woman in the car and the pool and, like, all that right. shit. But, like, it's all very, like, both of them are very, like, flat. Like, oh, like, this is the stereotypical thing that a man wants or a woman wants. And, and this movie doesn't do that all of the tempting things are are multifaceted to a point with the exception of ron yes he's yeah. just a fucking rapist uh <laughs> well, no, it's he's it's just that weird attempted like, rapist yeah it's that weird last moment which happens like it's the, you know in back to the future when he Biff, breaks like, into her fucking hotel room yeah. right with champagne and he brings champagne she, and food so it's not rape while and she's then, in the bathroom. while she's in the bathroom which is like completely you know, like this is, donald trump got sued for this by the way like right. doing the exact same <laughs> stick <laughs> it's called the trump that it's, oh, called what, the is trump. that what the movie's called yeah, it's yeah called the, the, trump. Trump. the trump okay yeah. the champagne food break into a hotel room and and he's in like, a bubble bath, and then she like he, he like, she's like please leave, and he's like and no. he doesn't, and then like he, he and put, he's wearing a silk robe, he's wearing a silk. I'm pretty sure Donald Trump got literally sued for this exact. That's movie. so funny. Like I, there that was some exact. Donald Trump is the villain in Mr. Mom, or Donald Trump watched Mr. Mom was like Ooh, it was like oh that's a great me. idea, I, fantastic is, idea. I'm gonna use that move, yeah. <laughs> fantastic move. Because all she does is like it's not like he she sues him for like liable or anything like that. That over no. season for a dented rape. Like he push, she pushes him away, and he's like, "Oh, playing hard to get, are we?" Yeah, you know, like it's like. <laughs> but then you know she comes back. He comes back to offer another, you know, like the job, and he's like, "It's like right. nothing happened." It's, they kind of move past. But he gets it. punched out. A lot of people get punched in this movie, which I appreciate. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, don't talk to my kid like that. Yeah, that's right. One more time. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we've been talking about Mr. Mom for about an hour. Yeah. I wanted to go around and do final thoughts. We'll do Shahir and me, then Laura can take us home. Yeah. I mean, look, I I enjoyed this as a time capsule piece. I enjoyed watching it. You know, like I, I, I was, when, when you mentioned it, I was like, Oh my God, my, yeah, I remember watching this movie and I was like, I love Michael Keaton and, and now I'm a dad. Maybe this will be like, you know, like this will resonate with me in a way that I didn't think was possible. And I kind of watched it and I was like, Oh, it's, it's goofy fun. It's, it's endearing to see Michael Keaton kind of like in that mode that he's not in anymore. Um, and, and I was like, and then I kind of went down the rabbit hole of John Hughes, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, I am really obsessed with John Hughes. I think he's just amazing. And, and I was kind of like, oh, this is an interesting period, you know, like that first script that he wrote. Um, but I don't love the movie. I, 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 you know, like for me personally, I, I remember the poster more than I do, like remember the actual movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, just that idea of holding the kid and going, oh my God. Um, um, but it's, I, so what I actually am really curious to hear is your take on the whole thing and like why you think this stands up. Well, I'm going to speed through mine yeah, real quick. Yeah. So basically, I think, look, it's a fun film. I love that we've coined it as a time capsule because I did have it written in my notes like fun film doesn't hold up. And yeah, if you look at it outside of that, it doesn't hold up great. The, the jokes will make you laugh. There is no question if you put this on and you have a soul, you will laugh <laughs> a, a, a bunch of times at this movie. It, or as I should say, an attention span and a soul. Because obviously 80s comedies are paced different than today's comedies and i understand that whole jazz um i do think there is something it, it's it's one of those rare comedies that actually offers uh something of value uh from back in the day more than just a look at uh, more than just sort of laughs and like how people what people thought were comedies and that i feel is the progressiveness that it shows even when it fumbles with the progressiveness and even when it like you know you, you have to again look at like when it was made it's a People saw this and then realized, oh, shit, like uh, dads can stay home. Like what, even, even if it didn't become the norm or whatever, they saw a prominent male actor that they that they seen in other things doing traditionally the mother's role and it and, and made it in an endearing, fun way. So I think that is something that beyond just it being funny and silly and cool uh, for the time and a time capsule of the moment. I think that's something that actually has cultural value. Um, and I appreciate it for that. And I'm glad that even though I had not seen it up until last <laughs> night uh, that I watched it. Laura? I mean, I think there's definitely a part of me that has a nostalgic attachment to it. I'm willing to admit that. But I do think that the thing that holds up for me is the perform Michael Keaton's performance and the jokes and the writing. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a time capsule, but so many... But so many of those movies from that era you rewatch and the performance and the jokes just don't hold up. Yeah. There is a timelessness to the jokes 
especially the improvised and the off the cuff jokes that still makes you laugh out. Like you said, you laughed out loud, which, and it's the first time you've seen it. Yeah. I think that is a lot of movies from the eighties or, or older movies you watch and they do not make you laugh anymore because they're ref the, they're so based on references or the time. There's a timelessness to the humor yeah. in it that I appreciate. And I think it was pretty ahead of its time for its depiction of advertising women in the workforce and gender dynamics that it did a great job on and of shining a light on them without being heavy handed about it or realizing that you were looking at that. And I also will say, uh, I don't know if you did this, but I immediately started to Google what the noodles were that he threw in the pan. Oh, that blew up so yeah. Oh, yeah. If you Google it, that you if you do Mr. Mom noodles, uh, it's the first thing that comes so up. So what, what, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Because I didn't do that. They're like very thin rice noodles. If you throw them in searing hot oil, they will do that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> the first thing when I rewatch it that I Google. I know what like, I'm doing Memorial <laughs> Day weekend. And the like, first thing that comes up is what are those crazy noodles? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, amazing. Thank you, Google, for keeping keeping us relevant. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I, I remember seeing that and I was like, I guess that's the transition where he's learning to cook and he's not right. really learning to I cook. I thought that might have been like a cut. Like, I thought they might have done like one of those hard cut, like like super shitty, like old school transitions. Oh, no, I no. didn't know. I feel like that was the Kramer versus Kramer moment. Yeah, the, the French movie. toast. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. like the big, that was the biggest thing. That's that was great. the most weighted French toast in movie history. <laughs> wow. Kramer versus Kramer. I guess, you know, the only thing that I was curious about there is that we never really see Michael Keaton being an engineer. Right, like we like. He's a, no, we see him being kind of a dummy with the workers in the factory, like trying to make about an analogy Rocky. about Rocky. Yeah. But his final speech is like, "I'm I'm a guy that just makes cars, and I am really good at it." And I was like, uh, "I haven't seen you do anything related." Right. Yeah, to like, you don't know two twenty ones, but I also yeah. don't. But you I don't also know anything don't, about wiring. I know, but I also don't care. Right? Yeah, you know, that's like true. I, I'm fine with I'm fine with it. Like yeah. if if the story says he's a good engineer, it's sure great. <laughs> That's he another scene back. that had to be half imp improvised. That Rocky scene was yeah. so great. Yeah, which is like. It, then he like, walked away. They're like, no, it, he never saw, saw Rocky. Saw, <laughs> he never saw Rocky. Uh, that's, that's the thing. This movie has Rocky, Jaws, and uh, Chariots of Fire. But you know what's was interesting? So, where was the Patton scene? At the tuna, scooter tuna, the tuna with a heart. The yep. theme song was uh, from Patton. Uh, so here's that? the deal. Here's the deal. We were talking about how today's comedies have references that are super reference based, and then that might not be why they hold up. This has references, but they're all references to things. Things that are literal classics, like right. so, like classics Rocky, spin, yeah. Jaws, Cherry's like that whole thing. So, like they just feel they picked the they, right. They feel references. perfect. The references are on point. That's a good uh, point. But with like today's stuff, you're not like it's just not right. doing that. But but then you could argue that's because so much more media is created in a certain. Well, today's of time. stuff is still referencing Jaws and Cherry. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, same yeah, four yeah, things. Yeah. So we're still in the public lexicon. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, wow. Well, this has been a super fun conversation. Uh, this has been the only podcast about Mr. Mom. I'm going to go on the record and say I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, you know what? About then, time. That's great. Yeah. About time. Uh, we've only had one or two episodes if where, you, we, if where the asterisk doesn't have to go away. Yeah. Um, if you're Googling like Mr. Mom, you're going to come up with the noodles and then us. Yes. Oh, I hope we come right under the noodles. <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks and for talking having about me. It. Yeah. Uh, when, Thanks for watching the movie. When you are not time capsuling gender norms from 1983, where can folks find you? I guess uh, bestlauraever.com is my website. Okay. Oh, that is the best Laura ever. My it is the best Twitter Laura ever. Twitter is also best Laura ever. Okay. Uh, I'm very brand consistent. Beautiful. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, that's the best You got way. the same logo between oh. the two, between your Twitter page. I think I have different pictures. Oh, jeez. Just so nobody, yeah, it. Just so nobody can pin me down. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> like, is she crazy? Is she funny? Is she cool? <laughs> She's all of those things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just uh, mostly at Whole Foods in LA. Yeah. God bless Whole Foods. Shahir, uh, when you're not being literal Mr. Mom, where can folks find you? You can find me momming it up at uh, shahirdaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, I'm not gonna, when you're coming up with puns that I can no longer match, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find me at Matthew Kroll, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com. You can also find me on uh, Instagram at Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z, or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. I am not all matched up on my brands, Laura. I am. Get on I am, that. I know. I know. I know. Thank you, Michael <laughs> Keaton. Thank you, Mr. Mom. Thank you, Laura Murphy, for coming Thank on. You Thank guys. you, Laura. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week. Bye.